There are many paths in life. Many roads to choose from. But only one of them leads to eternal life. Jesus offers a new way and invites us along to welcome others, to live with integrity, to share the good news that he alone is the way, the truth, and the life. If you have him, you have all you need. There is no other way. We're in the Sermon on the Mount. We've been talking through chapter by chapter, really paragraph by paragraph, at times one verse at a time. We've been going through the Sermon on the Mount. The way Jesus introduces a new way of life, a new way of thinking, a new way of living, a new direction. And last week we saw that he told us that the way to enter into that life is through a very narrow gate, the narrow gate of the gospel. Those who enter into the narrow gate walk along a narrow path that it's not always easy, but it ends in life. He compared that, contrasted that to this wide gate that everyone enters into freely and easily without any commitment or any thought. Along the way, there's this wide path that's easy because everybody else is on it and it's headed in the same direction and we're all thinking the same way, but the problem is it ends in destruction. So he said there is a narrow way and a broad path, a broad way. He calls us then to a point of decision. You may remember I, I showed you how the, the Sermon on the Mount was structured and that we've now entered into the conclusion of the sermon. It's, it might feel like to many of us in, in our evangelical traditions, it, it feels like an invitation at the end of the message, the end of the sermon. And so he is calling his congregation to a decision, to a point of action. He says, based on everything I've told you about this new way of thinking and living, now you must decide, will you enter into this new life through the narrow gate of the gospel, which means Jesus died for you, you admit you're a sinner and you need him, and he welcomes you by his grace into his life, or will you stay on the broad path following with the rest of the world, the rest of the crowd? He calls us to a point of decision. Well, then I think it, it becomes clear as throughout the sermon, he has been talking to the people about the way the Pharisees and Sadducees and scribes had trained them thus far. A big theme through the sermon is, you have heard it said this, but I say that. And so he is, he is uh, speaking to a group of people who have been taught and trained by folks who are grounded in the law and they believe the law is the only way. And so the question then becomes, who can teach us? If those who came before Jesus are teaching an external kind of religion, an outside kind of rule-keeping thing, Instead of the gospel, 
Who can teach us the gospel? Who can show us the right way? And so he addresses that in these verses, Matthew 7, beginning at verse 15. Matthew 7, beginning at verse 15. He just shared with us the golden rule. He told us about the narrow gate. And now he wants them to beware of those who would convince them to stay on the broad path because it's easy. Everyone is there, so it must be right. He wants to help them avoid that problem. So he says in verse 15, beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will recognize them by their fruits. Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? So every healthy tree bears good fruit, but the diseased tree bears bad fruit. A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus you will recognize them by their fruits. He says to us, first of all this morning, be careful who you follow. Be careful who you follow. There are those who call themselves a ministry and there are those, you know, maybe they even have a podcast, you know, may, maybe you find them on YouTube, maybe they're on TV or the radio. That doesn't necessarily mean that they know what they're talking about or that they're even trying to talk about the right things. And so he says, beware of those folks because they're like wolves in sheep's clothing. On the outside, they look right. They look like a sheep. But their inside has not yet, has not yet been changed by Jesus. In his day, he would have been referring to those Pharisees and scribes that were saying to the folks, hey, this is the way, you don't need the Jesus stuff. This is the way you do it. It's, it's the way it looks. You do the right stuff and make sure people see you doing the right stuff. And then it, that's what counts. Many of us can relate to that. He says, that's the way, that's the way they have done it. It's, it. it's an outward thing. But inwardly, they're not like sheep. Inwardly, they're like wolves. They're not who they appear to be. So be careful who you follow. I still remember, as many of you do, I remember the days following the disaster at the, the Branch Davidian place and how the news came from all over the world interviewing anybody they could interview and how many times we heard from folks from within that, that group who said, at first, they didn't talk to us about what they believed. At, at, at first, they just loved us. And we heard that over and over again. And we hear it from all kinds of groups and cults and, and misunderstandings. I just felt loved, so I felt like this must be the right thing didn't pay attention to the beliefs or they didn't share the beliefs until I was already in. These are the wolves in sheep's clothing of which we need to beware, be careful. We got to go to West Fest yesterday. We came back in from West Fest and I have a, I usually get to pray 
the prayer at the opening ceremony and most people don't even know there is an opening ceremony but you know we we do the thing and after we pray we have our traditions after we pray we get the beer bread sandwiches and then we watch the junior historians and we do the crafts and so that is at the hottest part of the day and we finally come home after all of that we're all sweating everybody's in a bad mood we're hot we're waiting for that air conditioner to finally kick in in the middle of the afternoon and I hear this beep what is that beep and so I'm thinking these smoke detector things right Lisa's on me did you change the batteries last yes beep so I went I, we, we narrowed it down to the office a little room off to the side we call an office and I went in there I closed the door so I could hear beep I'm watching the thing it's got a green light and it's not the beep is not coming from the thing just to be careful I went in and switched the battery anyway and the green light is still there beep and it's over here my family let me struggle like that for probably six hours. <laughs> it was more like 15 minutes. And then they confessed. They bought a little beep thingy. <laughs> and you hide this little beep thingy that sounds like a smoke detector, but it's not. We had a great afternoon. <laughs> but the beep thingy sounded like the smoke detector. For all I knew, it was a smoke detector problem. It sounded right. But I had been deceived. There are those among us, and some of them are well-meaning. There are those among us who look good sound good, seem right, but on the inside, they're not connected to the Lord Jesus Christ and telling His truth about His grace. Preachers and authors and teachers may be attractive because of their feel-good message or their charisma or their humor or their good looks. Some of us have them. But all of that stuff is only fleece deep. They're wolves in sheep's clothing. And then Jesus says, not only be careful who you follow, but he teaches us that truth is demonstrated from the inside out. Truth is not about the way things look on the outside, the way it sounds, the way, the way I feel or I connect with them. Truth, real truth is demonstrated from the inside out. You see the next verse, he says, you will recognize them by their fruits. And you think, wait a minute. We were just talking about wolves and sheep's clothing, and now you say they got fruits? Understand that in English, we don't mix metaphors. That's like a no-no. Mixed metaphors are not good, so we think that way. However, in biblical language and in biblical times, Mixing metaphors is fine. Just ask the Apostle Paul. He's really good at it. So this is just changing gears with the same point. 
He says, how do you tell if this is a wolf in sheep's clothing? Well, you, you check their fruits. He says in 16, are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? You, you can't get good food from a bad plant. And so you, you, you pay attention to what the leader, the teacher is teaching. You pay attention to his or her life. And is truth coming from the inside out? Or are they just presenting an image of one who knows the truth? The, the fruit tells you what's going on on the inside. Because you can't get grapes from weeds. So the fruits will tell you. In our first church, we lived in a parsonage, and the parsonage had mice problems. And so we bought these little mouse traps, put them out at night, right? I remember one night we were trying to sleep. I got awakened three times with that trap going off in the bathroom. Three different mice that night. Well, one night I was going to put the, the mouse traps out and uh, found out we didn't have any cheese. So this was before the days that you could Google a picture and print it out. We'd, but I found a magazine, thumbed through the magazine, found a picture of cheese, and I cut the picture of cheese out. And I put it on the mousetrap, set the mousetrap, went to bed. Sure enough, the next morning when I got up, I went in there to check it out. And sure enough, there was a picture of a mouse. <laughs> hey, you know that's not the way that works, right? That's, that's, that's not the way that happens because you can't get grapes from weeds you you can't catch a mouse with a piece of paper truth is demonstrated from the inside out that paper looks like cheese but on the inside it's paper truth is demonstrated from the inside out. It's who the teacher is, and you see that in the fruits on the outside. Verse 17, every healthy tree bears good fruit, diseased tree bears bad fruit. A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. What they produce demonstrates who they are on the inside. So, be careful who you follow. Pay attention to who they are and what they're saying because truth is demonstrated from the inside out. Have you ever seen blue celery? I have. You, you probably have seen that as a kid or maybe with your kids. You can take a stalk of celery. You put it in blue water, water that has blue food coloring in it. And after a while, that celery takes on that blue color. It actually changes the color of the, of the celery. It takes on the color of the, the water. The water is on the inside and it shows itself on the outside. That's how we are able to be careful who we follow. Understanding the truth has to come from within them, not just look good and sound good on the outside. Verse 19, every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. It's just not worth it. You know what they do with counterfeit money? They, if, if they find counterfeit money, they, they destroy it. 
because it's worthless and it could continue to confuse people. So they just destroy it. They get rid of it. They set it aside. You and I need to learn how we can be careful who we follow, understanding that the truth develops from the inside out. And if there's no fruit, if there's no, if there's no evidence that this person is the real deal, then we set them aside. Which means if we're going to accomplish that, we have to check the fruit. And that's the third thing Jesus would say to us. As we look at this conclusion to his message, we learn to be careful who we follow. Truth is demonstrated from the inside out. Therefore, we have to check the fruit. Verse 20, thus you will recognize them by their fruits. We carefully examine what a person is teaching before you decide to believe it. I hope that you'd never come into FBC West and just assume that what I'm saying is accurate and true and, and verified and valid. I hope that you love Jesus more than you love the preacher. Therefore, you strive to make sure that what the preacher is saying fits what Jesus says. I hope that your foundation is built on this instead of on the personality of the fat, bald guy. I hope that you check the fruit. I hope that you go through a process of examination. What does it mean to check the fruit? I would say to you this morning that there are three steps. First, examine the scriptures. The first step to checking the fruit would be to examine the scriptures. What I mean by that is before you ever come in to worship, on your own, in your life, every day, the scriptures become a part of your life. You read it, you think about it, you learn what it says, and it becomes a part of your thinking. American Banking Association once sponsored a two-week training program to help tellers detect counterfeit bills. Two weeks. And in that two weeks, not one time did any of the tellers ever see a counterfeit bill. Instead, they spent the entire two weeks handling authentic currency. Hour after hour, day after day, they handled it, they looked at it, they talked about it, they felt it, they discussed it, until they were so familiar with the real deal that then no matter what counterfeit they saw, they would know it wasn't the right thing. Beloved, that is your goal. If, if you're expecting the preacher to spoon feed you a snack on Sunday morning and that's going to get you through the week, it's no wonder you're hungry all the time. It's no wonder you feel weak because you don't have a solid diet. See how I can mix the metaphors just like they can? No. You learn to live here. Make this a part of who you are. This then changes your thinking, changes how you see things, changes what you hear. Then you come in to worship and we worship together talking about truth that you already know is real because you're familiar with the way truth sounds. Does that make sense?
So the psalmist says in Psalm 119 at verse 11, I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. How do you do that? You hide it in your heart by reading it, thinking on it, meditating on it, memorizing it, dealing with it, wrestling with it, living with it, letting it become a part of who you are, not waiting for someone to tell you what it says, but you find what it says on your own. It starts, examine the scriptures and then examine the teachings. Once you're familiar with the scriptures so you can see truth and reality, once you're familiar with the scriptures, then look at what the teacher is teaching. Examine what he says. Is she saying things that fit what you already know to be God's word? That's how you, 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 you check the fruit. Examine the scriptures, then examine the teachings. Then step three, review the scriptures again. Start with Scripture, listen and examine the teaching, and then go back to Scripture, double-check things, verify. We just looked at Psalm 119 at the beginning of the psalm. Look at 119 again toward the end. Verse 105 of Psalm 119 says, Your word is a lamp for my feet and a light on my path. Your word shows me the direction. So once I am familiar with your word, then I'm going to hear that teacher, that preacher, I'm going to think about what that person has said, and then I'm going to let the Word guide me again in truth. And so, 2 Timothy chapter 3 told us that all Scripture is God-breathed. All Scripture is God-breathed, is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. That's 2 Timothy. But look at what he says the Bible is for. The Bible is for teaching. In other words, this is the way. This is the path. It's for rebuking. The Bible says, hey, friend, you got off the path. It's for correcting. The Bible says, this is how you get back on the path. And training. This is how you stay on the path. And so it's the scriptures that help us understand reality and truth and guide us along the way. So check the fruit. When you're listening to teachers, pastors, preachers, check the fruit. Examine the scriptures first. Examine the teachings and then review the scriptures again. Notice I never said, examine your feelings. I never once said anything about decide how you feel about it. That's how we make most of our decisions in church life, unfortunately, is how I feel. And friends, your feelings will deceive you. A poem attributed to Martin Luther reads, feelings come and feelings go and feelings are deceiving. My warrant is the word of God, not else is worth believing. I can't tell you how many times I've heard people say, well, I went to that church and I felt uncomfortable. I felt unwelcome. I felt judged. I felt, I felt, well, your feelings are deceiving. Very well might be that when you came, you brought with you some uneasiness because you're new in a crowd. You don't know people yet. That's natural. But feelings are not how we find truth. 
We listen to the guy on TV, and my goodness, he promises us all kinds of wonderful things, and it just makes us feel all warm and fuzzy on the inside. The feelings are deceiving. So how do you know the wolves in sheep's clothing? You check the fruits. How do you know the good tree from the bad? You check the fruits. You know the scriptures. Examine the teachings. Then review the scriptures again so you can decide how to apply what you've learned and how to live it out. Then as we go through the week, pull out that scripture every day. If you don't know where to start, start at John chapter 1, verse 1. Read through the gospel of John. Read it, read some every day until you get one main, one big thought, one big wow. Then you close it, you pray, talk to God about that, and think on it the rest of the day. Open it up the next day, continue in John. When you get through John, you go through Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Then you finish the New Testament, except for Revelation. Then you go read the Old Testament. After you've done the Old Testament, you're ready for Revelation. The problem is people say, I want to learn the Bible. So I jump to the fun, science fiction-y kind of feeling stuff, and I get confused in Revelation, don't know where to go. That's because you didn't build the foundation first. Start in John 1-1, all the way through. Matthew, Mark, Luke, the rest of the New Testament. Go to the Old Testament, then you're ready for Rev, okay? Every day, that's how you build your understanding of the truth. God bless you. This is our benediction.